1: Peter King our conversation is coming up in just about 7 or 8 minutes. Um, he got into a lot of stuff including the story of Brock Purdy being drafted with the last pick in the draft and what was going on in the 49er war room when all of that went down. Really really fascinating stuff from Peter, all of that is coming up in just a little bit. Yeah, you're you're right and that's the other piece of this conversation that uh, that won't go away and and you know, just to let those of you know who are a little tired of it not going away next week either. it won't because we're obsessed with this stuff and I'm not talking about you or you and me, but in the NFL, we are wooed and wowed by quarterbacks. and that's okay. The league has actually fed that. The league realizes that. And understands that, uh, that quarterbacks, that's the straw that stirs the drink. That's why they've made the rules the way they've made them. It's why you can't breathe on the quarterback. And you can't touch them high, or low, or too hard, or at this angle. You can't throw them to the ground. You can't seemingly do anything other than kind of put your shoulder into their midsection and hope it doesn't hurt. Because if it hurts, they might throw that flag too. The league did that because of our obsession with that guy, that guy and that player. So all of them, all of them have a scrutiny that is at such a level, and the thirst for talking it out and figuring it out and labeling it is always there. Then add in that this particular one, such a high level of success— Um, off to the Super Bowl now in just his second year not even a full two years yet looks like this tiny little guy and was the last pick in the draft that is a story that won't quit it won't quit I've, I've mentioned this a bunch of times what you know the show like Guru and Evan were talking about today where the conversation went to Brock Purdy haters and then there was a caller who called in and was like nobody hates Brock Purdy I'm like, but I get that it feels that way sometimes. Tucked into all of this are a bunch of compliments to Brock. He's good for business. He he is just endlessly interesting. That's why they keep talking about him. Right. Because he's endlessly interesting. And a lot of it, I think, is comparable to Steph Curry,
2: Early on in Steph's career, now we think about Steph Curry now and it's not a fair comp because Steph's one of the greatest players to ever do it, but there was so much shade thrown at Steph for being too light, too small. Just a shooter, not good enough, bad ankles, all the rest of it, and then he became a champ. And it was well, they, they, you know, they had the road kind of cleared for him. They didn't really beat anyone, and then they won two more. Well, it was because of Kevin Durant, right? And still, you know, jump shooting team, you're still not the guy. I know you've won three, but you needed KD to do it. And then he won the fourth, and when he won the fourth, he was also Finals MVP, and he went from being a great shooter to the greatest shooter of all time, to now he's being seen as one of the 20 best players in history. Maybe one of the 10 best players in history. Wherever you want to put him in the pantheon, it took a long time in his journey to get there. And just hearing you talk, it made me think about a uh, baseball player named Greg Mm Maddox, who Greg Maddox never blew you away with his stuff. He threw 88 to 91 with movement and you just didn't hit him. And it kind of reminds me of Brock Purdy. And I'm not saying Brock Purdy's going to have that career. If he does, then the the Niners are probably going to win three or four Lombardis. But it's the same idea of, you know, how can you not hit this guy? Maddox was six foot. He wore glasses. He was 188 pounds. He wasn't Randy Johnson. He wasn't, you know, all these big, hard-throwing pitchers and Clemens and Schilling and all the rest of it. He just simply went out there... And got the job done, so it will take time for Brock Purdy, and I'm starting to come around to what you said, and I I hope we get to find out if he wins the Super Bowl, I hope we get to find out if there still is
1: shade out there. Well, I mean, look, there's more than one way to do it, and I, and I think that's what you're getting at right yeah. there with, with, with Greg Maddox. It's an interesting comp, for sure. There's more than one way to do it, and, uh, and, and all of them are... Uh, acceptable, if you will, if if successful. And we we can go through history and see a bunch of those guys. I mean, you know, just from that physical standpoint, like Drew Brees and Russell Wilson, are right. those are Super Bowl champion quarterbacks. You wouldn't ever look at them. They wouldn't walk into a room, and you would be like, oh, okay, okay, Mr. Athlete. Uh, you, you, you wouldn't do that. And so there's a bunch of different ways for this to go, but the word that keeps bouncing around in my head in a number of different bay area sports ways right now is trust. And again, it's it's what I think the Giants have lost uh with their with their fan base and in some cases some of their players that that, that is most problematic. But on the 49ers side, it's actually what makes them go. And our last caller Tim just mentioned it. Whether Brock Purdy is good great or anywhere in between, the players really believe in him. And I think all observers believe that Kyle Shanahan, in his time as a head coach, has never trusted his quarterback more. And that is the biggest weapon the 49ers could have going into any game, but especially this one.
2: Yeah, especially when you think about Jimmy Garoppolo and why they lost that Super Bowl. And it wasn't because of Jimmy. It was a number of different factors. But you got to the spot where... You didn't trust Jimmy Garoppolo to make the plays that you do trust Brock Purdy to go out there and try to make. And Brock has shown that he can make, quote, all the throws. And I know he was fortunate with the Ayuk fluke off the face mask that he caught, but that's a throw that Kyle was reluctant to try. I know he tried it to Emmanuel Sanders and (laughs) he overthrew him. Kind of like Brock overthrew Ayuk in that play against Detroit, but... You know, you know that he's going to give Brock Purdy much more of a chance to try to make all the throws that he did, Jimmy.
1: Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seventy. Peter King in moments. Let's go to Tony in the city. Hi, Tony. What are you doing?
0: Hey, I love how you're starting to bring up people are starting to bring up comparisons between him and Steph because I think what's going on. People underestimate him. He's just another baby face assassin.
1: Huh. He
2: he looks like he looks. Google Marty McFly.
0: He's just spitting image of Marty McFly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, so I think when he comes out, I think people just continue underestimating him. he comes out, he just throttle you. He's an excellent quarterback, and I think he's going to do really well. And as long as we have luck
3: going our way, we're going to do okay in the game.
1: Well, luck is, uh, luck is a buzzword, though, too, Tony. Uh, I totally get what you're saying, uh, but that was a, a topic of conversation earlier this week with regard to the idea of uh, the 49ers being in this Super Bowl. Are they here because they've been good or because they've been lucky? And you'll find a lot of people in the sports community get a little uncomfortable when you start talking about luck. It's not that it doesn't exist, um, but... It is some sort of a combo of an opportunity meeting preparation. You'll hear a lot of people say that. I don't disagree.
2: Yeah, I'm one of those people who always bristles at the idea of luck because you make your luck. And to me, the only luck that the Niners had was the fact that the ball hit the Lions defender in the face and bounced straight up. Everything else, the fumble from Jameer Gibbs... That was a forced fumble. You had to get in there and jar the ball loose. If nobody touches him, I don't think that he fumbles on his own. So a lot of the luck to me, we use luck as a way to dismiss the actual effort that it took to make a play. Uh,
1: Willard and Dibs, glad you're with us. Our conversation with Peter King uh, that we're going to share with you. He began by telling us about what he called a very enjoyable week out here in California and going to the NFC Championship game. And during that process, he also spent some time with Brock Purdy.
0: Guys, how are you? I had a very enjoyable four days in california was at the game hung around did a little bit of reporting afterwards it'll show up in my column this coming monday and um spent some time with brock purdy after the game and you know i try to explain because obviously by the time the game kicks off america is going to say you know so many people are going to say who the heck is this guy Nobody, nobody really, really knows who this guy is. But one of the things I get such a kick out of with Brock Purdy is that, you know, he is what I would call extremely humbly confident. Hmm. And what I mean by that is that he's not going to say to anybody, hey, man, I'm really good. I can do this. I don't care what Ryan Clark says. I don't care what the ringer says. I don't care what all of these Cam Newton, I don't care what anybody says. I am self-assured and confident enough in my ability that none of their opinions matter. There's only one person's opinion who matters, and that's Kyle Shanahan. And he knows right now, After 26 starts in the National Football League, he knows that Kyle Shanahan uh, is extraordinarily confident in his ability to go out and play a good game against one of the best quarterbacks of all time, Sunday in Las Vegas.
1: Well, uh, Peter, what's interesting today, and I don't know if you've seen it or worked through it yet, but Jed York spoke to the media, and, and he's sharing these stories about this confidence in Purdy that you're talking about right now that maybe it's been around a lot longer than we realize. Jed shared the story that Kyle came to him before last year's season and said, hey, Jed, we got to talk. I think our third-string quarterback is our best quarterback. Peter, when did you start hearing whispers? When, when was this becoming a thing?
0: I didn't hear anything, anything about it until the game against Miami 14 months ago. I, you know, I'm not, I don't cover the 49ers granularly. I'm not Matt Barrows, Matt Mayoko, Mike Silver, Branch, any of these guys. I I mean, I totally, totally (laughs) respect all of them a lot, okay? But I'm not there. I'm not them. And quite honestly, I think there's a lot of people who love their third string quarterback for various reasons. However, I will tell you this. One of the things you're going to read in my column on Monday is going to be about what happened on the third day of the draft in 2022. Now, you guys both probably understand that they this draft choice, the 262nd pick in the draft, uh, they, you know, when you have the last pick in the draft, as a head coach, as a coaching staff, as a general manager, Kyle Shanahan, this these coaches, John Lynch, they knew. You know why that pick is really important? Because you can sit around in the draft room at that moment and you can hear everybody's best argument for the guy they do not want to let go and risk losing because some other team in, in, un, in undrafted free agency after the draft is going to offer the guy $5,000 more than you do, and he's going to take that money, and he's going to go somewhere else. And I'm telling you this, Kyle Shanahan, in that period of time, 20, 25, 30 minutes when they were trying to decide what they were going to do, he said in that room, I love this quarterback. This is the guy I want to take. And so all of a sudden, a chorus of other coaches – Come up and say, "Oh man, we we need this linebacker. We need this receiver. We need, this guy is going to help us. We got two quarterbacks already. You just traded three ones last year to pick Trey Lance. Who cares about a quarterback? And if we lose him, it doesn't matter. But Kyle Shanahan, you know, and 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 the management of this team made a decision." that I'm telling you, ticked off some people in that room when they took Brock Purdy because nobody, who, who, who has any idea about a quarterback from Iowa State? <laughs> However, Kyle Shanahan knew one thing and it was the most important thing and it was the reason why he ended up taking Brock Purdy with the 262nd and final pick in the draft. And he knew that Brock Purdy was not going to sign with the 49ers in free agency. He knew it. So he said, if we want this guy, if I love him so much, uh, we got to pick him. So they picked him. And obviously they lost out on a couple of guys who might've made their team because every year there's one or two or three guys who is an undrafted rookie who comes in on all teams in the NFL and makes the team. But, I think probably uh, the coaches who are arguing against that are pretty happy this evening <laughs> that, uh, that, that Kyle Shanahan got his back up and said, hey, we're taking Brock Purdy.
1: Love it. Peter King with us here on Willard & Dibs. Insider Calls are brought to you by Old Spice Gentleman's Blend Body Wash, providing exfoliation plus 24-7, moisturization because men have skin too. Peter, you called Brock, and I want to make sure that I have the recall correctly on this. You, you, like, humbly confident? Was it, was it? Was that the phrase you used? Yes. All right, yes. All right. Yeah. How, how does that stack up to I go to the Super Bowl every year, which is what the other quarterback is going to be uh, able to say in this one?
0: They're the same people, only very, very different in terms of, you know, I asked Brock Purdy, do you guys remember we talked about this after Brock Purdy's first extended action? Plays Miami, comes in for Garoppolo, Woe are the 49ers. And he comes in and he kicks rear end in that game. And after the game, I say to him, hey, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but your reward for this is your first start in the NFL <laughs> next week is against Tom Brady. And his expression didn't change. He just said, oh, that's cool. He's been playing football longer than I've been alive. <laughs> and And so I can tell you that, When I said to him Sunday night, hey, this is cool, you're going to play Mahomes in the Super Bowl, and he goes, you know, he said, I love that guy. I watched him all throughout, uh, you know, late high school and college. I think he's fantastic. And he's got nothing but praise. And how could you have anything but praise for, for Patrick Mahomes? But the only reason I say that is that, You know, he had the almost the exact same reaction to playing Mahomes in the Super Bowl as he did in Brady, playing Brady in his first start. And I think what that means, and I think what people need to understand about this guy, is that, you know, it's like, remember that video four, five, six years ago, Honey Badger Don't Care? yeah, And I think there were some stronger words in there than Honey Badger Don't Care. And, and and, you know, everybody watched that. It got 80 jillion page views. But Brock Purdy is exactly like that. He doesn't care if he's playing Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Montana, Otto Graham. He doesn't care. That has nothing to do with what he has to do in this game. And he understands that. A lot of guys get caught up and get caught up by, doing whatever people do on social media these days and listening to to people say, oh, my God, this guy doesn't belong on the same field as Mahomes. But the only thing that matters, the only thing that matters is there's going to be a play that's called into Brock Purdy's helmet 65 times a week from Sunday. And Brock Purdy's going to go to the line of scrimmage or he's going to line up in shotgun. And he is going to take the snap, and he's going to execute the play, and he's not going to be concerned with the fact that there's 116 million people watching, that there will be people in 217 countries watching this game, that uh, that uh, half the people in the country will be watching this because they want their 43 seconds of Taylor Swift. He doesn't care. Doesn't care. Exclamation point. Underline it. All he cares about is playing the game.
2: And is he able to do just that in large part because of what you detailed in your column, Peter, about what happened at halftime with just the calmness, the refueling, the rehydrating, and just the sense that everything was going to be okay? Does Brock Purdy kind of feed off the fact that he's surrounded by veterans?
0: Well, he feeds off the fact that he knows he's got a genius coach he knows that he has the best look i think in terms of depth i think the detroit lions have the best skill players in football however in terms of the top 4 or 5 like the lions might have eight but the best 4 or 5 without any question is the 49ers and they will enter the super bowl healthy so he understands when he comes into halftime, man, this sucks. We're down 17. But he in no way was that concerned. And I, you, you read that in my column this week in Football Morning America. I asked him, what what was it like at halftime? And I'm telling you, if, if you could sit there and see it, you would say, my God, I love having this guy for our quarterback. Cause he just doesn't care. He shrugged his shoulders slightly and said, in essence, you know, nothing really different. You know, uh, Fred Warner said some Kyle said something, but basically <coughs> Kyle just told us here are the plays we're going to run coming out of halftime. We refueled, we had a little bit to eat and we went out there, but nobody was thinking, you know, Oh my God, we're, we're in trouble. And the reason is because he knows. Look, if you're Brock Purdy, okay, and I think what I'm saying is correct, you know that you're going to get the ball five times in the second half. And look, if your defense stinks, that doesn't matter. Nothing you can do. You're going to lose 48 to 32 or whatever, you know. But if your defense does its job, Brock Purdy is absolutely, totally confident that he's going to get three touchdowns and a field goal or two, and they're going to win the game. And that's how he feels.
1: Peter, you mentioned that uh, Brock can sit there and know that he's got a genius at head coach. Um, I would imagine, to a degree, you you feel that way about both sides. If if you could pick one of these coaches to coach this game, Uh, who are you picking?
0: Well, I think both of these guys are absolutely, totally on top of their game. Yep. It's just that I absolutely trust Shanahan. Totally, totally. But I can't sit here and say that I think he's going to outcoach Andy Reid. Nor can I say that I think Andy Reid's going to outcoach him. I- I'll tell you the one little X factor in my mind in this game. Okay. So. The 49ers cannot play defense the way they played defense in the first half. Sure. You know, if they do, they're not going to win the game. I'm just telling you. It's not going to happen. They got to play better for four quarters on defense. And I'm sure Steve Wilts knows. I'm sure Kyle knows. Because I'm just telling you, you are not getting away with anything against Mahomes. So I think that and look on the other side. Oh my gosh, how about this Steve Spagnuolo? He's ridiculous. He's ridiculous. Yep. Now it's been it's been uh, seventeen years, believe it or not. No, wait a minute, seven. Yeah, seventeen years since he orchestrated a game plan to beat the eighteen and Patriots, and he coached great for the New York Giants that day. And I'll tell you what, he has not lost his fastball.
1: Mm, uh, it's a high-level matchup. Uh, kind of like these conversations. Peter, we can't wait to do it again next week and dive even further into the matchup. Thank you so much.
0: All the best, guys. Thank you.
1: Peter King with us every single week right here on Willard & Dibbs 95.7 The Game. we bit of breaking news while we were sitting there listening to Peter, and that is that Brewers right-hander Corbin Burns has been traded to... Uh, the Baltimore Orioles, Damn it, yeah, Baltimore <laughs> Orioles. Uh, if you're a really big listener of the show, you know that Corbin was one of four players uh, that are in the donut bet. Uh, the Giants just need to acquire one of the four in order for Dibs to have to buy donuts. Yep. As opposed to the other way around, if none of them come. So one of them is off the board. He's in orange and black, but on the wrong coast. Yep. And uh, the um, prospect return is still being uncovered. Best I can tell right now, it's this year's number five prospect and last year's number six. So the reason that's uh, relevant, I think, is because uh, we'll wait and see how much had to be given up. Uh, But the Giants should have done this deal. The Giants should have done this deal. Well,
2: if it was the prospects of that ilk, you'd be talking about like Elliot Ramos and Um You know
1: Yeah, it depends. Depends on uh, here, like their top prospect list. So one of them is a, a shortstop. One of them is a pitcher. Okay. So um, you know, if you look at the Giants' top prospects of 2023, um, you know their number five prospect is a shortstop named Walker Martin. Okay. Okay. And uh, and then you know, number three prospect is left-hander Carson Wisenhut. Yeah. Might have taken something like that. Might have taken something like that. You know, or maybe even a, a Mason Black, or uh, I don't know. You know, you got Grant McRae, maybe an outfielder, something like right, that. I know right. a lot of people, these are names you don't even know. And uh, hopefully and I, you will soon. Well, but. I can't go deep into it yet at this point and say the Giants should have done this without knowing what exactly else that the Orioles gave up. But Corbin Burns would have been a really good fit in a starting rotation that, in my opinion, is not ready yet. It's not ready yet. Needs to be good, and Robbie Ray won't be ready to go until halfway through the year, and Alex Cobb's making good progress but won't be ready at the start of the year. Logan Webb is Logan Webb. Excited about Kyle Harrison, but the rest of it is young and unproven, a la Tristan Beck and other names like that. And I think they need another established starter right at the start of the year. And right now, they don't have that.
2: Right. And, you know, you're sitting here and it's now February. You look at February 1 on the calendar and you start to think about pitchers and catchers, which I think is two weeks, two weeks from today. Two weeks. Right. And, not that you have to have everything in place by then, because you mentioned Scott Boris and the foot dragging that's gone on with a lot of the big names. And He's got are...
1: all four of them. Yeah. He's got all four of them who are still sitting there on side. Still
2: sitting there. Yep. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that it can't happen this week or next week, but it feels more and more like, you know, we might be waiting until March until actually sp- oh. spring training games get started before we find out about a lot of these guys, yeah, right? I
1: mean, I get it. I would, You know, if I were a player, I might want Scott Boris as my agent as well. Um, there's no rush. Let's be honest, veteran players don't like spring training. They don't want to report when pitchers and catchers report. We're talking about all of them, players who have been around the block a while. Some of them are in their 30s already, Matt Chapman, Blake Snell. Cody Bellinger has an MVP to his credit, Jordan Montgomery. Those are the four players we're talking about. So they're not freaking out if they miss the start of spring training, and they want the absolute best deal. And the absolute most money. And Scott is going to get them that. But um, the other side to that is not great for baseball at all that you get to your free agency. And a good, healthy chunk of the majority of the names that people are excited to see where they land, it just drags and drags and drags. And it turns into the Bush-Gore election where you're just sitting there counting up little pieces of paper trying to figure Penny out chats. when the hell we're going to get an answer. Right. So, anyway...
2: I don't know how you fix it with baseball because, and we talked about this before, with the NBA and the NFL, there is free agency, and it's boom! And it's like one, two, three, four days of an absolute flurry, and then a trickle. And you mentioned an inverted pyramid before, and that's kind of what it is in those sports where you get the majority of those big signings early, and then it trickles down to the very end, and some drips and some drops, and then it's over. With baseball, it's, it's a pyramid. And it's like you might get a big name early, and then it's a whole lot of waiting, and it's all because one guy has got a stranglehold on the whole thing.
1: Well, we blamed Otani, and we shouldn't have. It was like, Oh, well, not much is happening, because everybody's got to wait for Otani. And then Otani went. In December, and right? And i have been sitting here ever since still waiting. Yeah. Like Yamamoto is the only other massive name that went. We had the Soto trade. But other than that, you know, things have trickled in. Marcus Stroman found a new home. Yep. Yada yada yada. But
2: I'm looking at the free agent tracker, and in order, it's Otani and it's Yamamoto. Bellinger still out there. Chapman still out there. Nola signed. Blake Snell still out there. Eduardo Rodriguez signed. Stroman. Giolito, They signed. Jordan Montgomery still out there. So that's like your-
1: four of the top ten. Four of the top ten, yeah.
2: Mark. Exactly. Yeah. Four of the top ten, and we're in February, February. one. And, you know, Otani was that December or early January? or It was a long time
1: ago. I mean, go go back to LeBron and the decision. People were freaking out because they're like, dude, can you please give us an answer? And, oh, by the way, don't you feel a responsibility to other free agents who are out there because nobody can go anywhere until you go. Do you know how long it was that we all had to wait for that LeBron decision? About two weeks. July 8th. But, so not even. Yeah. It's a week. Because free agency usually is July 1. Scott Boris is over here like, we'll talk to you in five months. And maybe by then, we'll get this going. It's incredible. Yeah. It's terrible. It, it's it really abs- is terrible. It's just a total bore. Eight
2: of the top 25, as we extrapolate, including J.D. Martinez, Tim Anderson, who you liked last year at the deadline, yeah. and uh, Clayton Kershaw.
1: <laughs> oh, Still out there. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I still think um, if I had to bet, um, and I sort of did, I, I think sort of. I think Chapman, Chapman's going to be the one who probably ends up on the Giants. I bet Bellinger goes back to the Cubs, and uh, Blake Snell is anybody's guess. Right. I don't know where the hell that dude's ending up. Same with Jordan Montgomery. I mean, gosh, I'd be thrilled with either one of them yep. for the Giants to get another established starter. But I would be. Sure Shocked if they spent on both of them.
2: Nola signed a deal seven year one seventy two. So if you're Blake Snell, you're thinking I want Nola money.
1: How old's Nola though? Thirty. Okay,
2: about the same. Snell right? thirty one. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. So, I mean, if you're the Giants, do you want
1: to give Snell yeah. seven and one seventy five? Probably not. That's you know. I mean, knowing twenty five. Know, yeah, per. knowing them and the way they do starting pitchers, no, they're not going to do that. Right. Yeah, that's why Chapman will probably be the one or nobody. Or donuts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Or donuts. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Because
2: Bellinger back to the it. Cubs, it feels like that's kind of a natural feels like landing it. spot. Feels yeah.
1: like it, but a lot of the feels like it is usually doesn't happen. So True. anyway, that's one piece of breaking news. I wanted to re-highlight this conversation piece with Peter King because I had an additional new thought about it that sort of dawns on me. And again, the story is about... Um, It's twofold. Jed York earlier today shared the story about Kyle Shanahan pulling him aside after a practice training camp 2022. Hey, Jed, I need to talk to you. Yeah, Kyle, what's going on? Well, I think our third-string quarterback is our best quarterback. What did you say to me? And Jed's like, (laughs) okay, so what do we do now? Yeah, I don't know. We'll slow play it. Just wanted to let you know that I think he's going to end up being our quarterback at some point. And he played it right, and unfortunately for Trey and for Jimmy, they both got hurt, but he didn't jam it in there. He didn't give it to him. It ended up in his lap, and obviously Brock has run with it to the point of a 4-1 and playoff record and now is about to appear in a Super Bowl. So that's piece one. Peter King joins us and starts to tell the story and says he's going to write about the story of what happened in the seventh round when there was one pick to go and the argument within the room, the politicking over who that last pick should be. Kyle wants Brock Purdy. Others in the room are like, a quarterback? So here, here's what uh, Peter King shared with us.
0: Kyle Shanahan, when they were trying to decide what they were going to do, he said in that room, I love this quarterback. This is the guy I want to take. And so all of a sudden, a chorus of other coaches come up and say, oh, man, we, we need this linebacker. We need this receiver. We need, This guy is going to help us. We got two quarterbacks already. You just traded three ones last year to pick Trey Lance. Who cares about a quarterback and if we lose him? It doesn't matter. But Kyle Shanahan and the management of this team made a decision that I'm telling you ticked off. Some people in that room when they took Brock Purdy because who has any idea about a quarterback from Iowa State? <laughs> However, Kyle Shanahan knew one thing, and it was the most important thing, and it was the reason why he ended up taking Brock Purdy with the 262nd and final pick in the draft. And he knew that Brock Purdy was not going to sign with the 49ers in free agency. He knew it. So he said, if we want this guy, If I love them so much, uh, we got to pick them. So they picked them. And obviously, they lost out on a couple of guys who might have made their team. Because every year, there's one or two or three guys who is an undrafted rookie who comes in on all teams in the NFL and makes the team. But I think uh, the coaches who are arguing against that are pretty happy this evening (laughs) that Kyle Shanahan got his back up and said, hey, we're taking Brock Purdy.
1: Okay, so answer me this. Why did Kyle fight so hard for Brock Purdy to be that pick? Because
2: at that point, I think he already realized he made a mistake with Trey Lance.
1: Exactly, right. and
2: I think the Trey Lance pick was, and I will take it on on confidence or on you know background that that was a Kyle pick also. Whether he was convinced by somebody, I think he saw potential in Trey Lance, and he got Trey Lance into camp, and he saw it for himself, and he thought, oh boy. I don't know if this is the guy that I thought that we were going to get. And I don't know if he can be the guy who I need him to be. And so you get in the draft, and you know you have other issues. You have other priorities because you have a quarterback. And it's Jimmy Garoppolo. And you've got Trey Lance. And you think, okay, we've invested in Trey Lance, so we're not going to throw him out already. But deep in the back of his mind, he's thinking, I don't know. I don't know about Trey Lance. So you get to the point where... You have a chance to get Brock Purdy and you like Brock Purdy. Maybe you don't love him yet, but you think, "All right, this this guy has, has a little something that maybe we like." So you fight and like Peter says, you get your back up and you say, "No. This is what we're doing. I'm Kyle Shanahan. I have the final say." <laughs> and John Lynch, I think has always deferred to Kyle well, in cer- terms of Certainly for off yes, Exactly.
1: Yes. Yes, yes. So yes.
2: Kyle puts his foot down and says, "You know what? No. We're not going to get this guy otherwise. We're going to take him. Mm. And everyone kind of swallows hard and goes, all right, boss. Sure. And, you know, we have a boss, and sometimes he makes decisions that we don't necessarily love. I love them all. And you're a liar. And sometimes those decisions turn out to be the right ones. And we go, you know, you might swallow hard, and then you look back, and you go, hey, boss, you had that one right.
1: Good thing I didn't fight you on it too hard. I mean, look, I I certainly don't want to take this conversation to to some back room so that we're whacking Trey Lance in the the shins again. But I'm looking at Kyle's behavior two off-seasons in a row. Okay? Go back to that time. You're in the draft. What are you thinking is going on with Jimmy Garoppolo at that time? At that time, you think Jimmy's going to get traded. You think Jimmy's gone. Okay? So, Trey Lance is going to be your quarterback, but are you feeling good about it to the point where, yes, seventh round. It's not like he grabbed him in the second round, but in the seventh round, you're willing to go to bat. You're willing to go to bat for this tiny little kid out of Iowa State because you believe... That he could end up being something. Flash forward four months later, you're having a conversation with Jed York. You've just re-signed Jimmy Garoppolo, shockingly, to bring him back. But you're having a conversation with Jed York saying, I think this Purdy kid's actually the best quarterback in our system right now. Then we flash forward another year. Yes, now you know who Brock Purdy is. You're aware of that completely. You've watched him play football and take you to the NFC Championship game. You've got injury questions, but you know who Brock Purdy is. And then what do you do? The first thing you do when free agency comes around is you hop out there and you pay the top backup quarterback on the market and bring him in in Sam Darnold. It's two off-seasons in a row Where if you forget Kyle's words and just look at his actions, he knew. He knew. And he
2: brought in Brendan Allen, too. Yep. So let's not not sugarcoat it. He knew. This has not much to do with Trey Lance, but it has everything to do with Trey Lance. Because you, you, you saw in Trey Lance that first year that maybe he wasn't the quarterback that you were hoping that he would be, that you uh, traded three first-round picks to move up to get. And so at that point, now you need a quarterback because you've already given up on Jimmy Garoppolo not once but twice at this point. So you bring in Darnold, and you bring in Brandon Allen for insurance, and then you realize, okay, Trey's getting beat out by, by Sam for sure, and maybe Brandon as well, and Brock is still getting healthy, and Jimmy at this point is gone. So... The whole thing kind of unravels in real time.
1: Yeah. What an interesting day in terms of like revelations about things that I don't know if we thought we knew them or or, or didn't. I'm really fascinated by what Jed York chose to do today. Um, and that is speak publicly, but do it in an engaging way. Trying to give credit where credit was due to Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch and all of the players. But also, it does feel a little bit like a, I don't know if it's a preemptive victory lap, but like he just, he didn't just decide to come out and answer questions. He decided to share the background stories. Right. You know, this is what we were doing when we acquired Christian. Here's what was going on at the quarterback position. Here's what was happening in the draft. Here's what was happening with training camp. Interesting decision for him to decide today to come out and spill the beans. Right. And it's a
2: safe space and it's, you know, you do it now, if you do it after the Super Bowl, it I think it has a little bit less of an impact than well, if you do it now because Certainly if you lose. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, if you win, you're going to be focused on a parade and all the rest of it. So you come out now and it's not that you're taking a victory lap, but you kind of are because you're going back to the Super Bowl. And you do it now because Next week, when media day hits and you go to Vegas on Sunday and all the hype starts to build, it's not going to be about the owner and his comments. Today was a perfect day for it.
1: Uh, we'll get to some final thoughts. Uh, we got some calls to grab. We'll do that all coming up next on Withered and Dips.
3: <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact.
0: That's great. Now back to Willard
1: and Dibs on ninety five seven. The game you can't keep playing that. It just keeps bringing last week back to me. I the, I hate that. One of the worst parts about being sick. I almost hate that more than the sick part. Like, I can deal with it. Put your head down on a pillow and watch some Netflix. It's sure. going to be fine. I can't stand that for a week and a half you can't
0: laugh. <laughs> That's great. <laughs>
1: without, <laughs> without hacking up a lung. Right. I hate that. I hate that. It's brutal. Oh, oh crap. Sorry, yeah. Pete.
2: It's brutal. And Pete's been fighting it. Hopefully uh, Pete gets to the offseason and he can... You know, shut it down a little bit, or maybe uh, his throat just got clogged. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's fine. Well, he said it. I think it was last week. uh, Was it last week when FP was in? Mark and uh, Peter King said, "I've been sick for eleven weeks."
1: I was like, yeah, Pete. Yeah. Well, FP yeah. too. I know he's been battling. His chest has been totally. filled with gunk for two weeks. or whatever. Everybody. Oh, my Everybody's gosh. been safe. I sick, hope you're all you know? doing well out there. Yeah. And, and uh, same as far as traveling around in the weather. I know that the uh, today is like, sort of like tropical. It's like, oh, it's sunny. And then it's like, oh, my gosh, it's pouring. Pouring. Oh, uh, now it's sunny again. So just be safe out there as uh, you're driving around. You'll get to wherever you're going. I'll tell you where we're going. We've been meaning to mention this to you. And so this is next week. Next week, there are a number of earlier East Coast Warrior games. Oh, we are so out of here. Yeah, no, we're not. Wait, what? No, 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 no. Wait, hold the phone. Dibs. Shut the front door. It is Super Bowl week. I don't know if you've heard of it. And so for all of you out there, this is the way it's going to go. When there's a Warrior game that will infringe on the Willard and Dibs experience, the Willard and Dibs experience will simply move over to its other two platforms where it always is and stay right there. So if you're listening traditionally on 95.7 The Game and you want to listen to the Warrior game, awesome. Listen to the Warrior game. But for those of you on the Odyssey app or on YouTube or Twitch, no, no, no. The Super Bowl party just goes over there, commercial-free and maybe a little looser than normal. It's a loosey-goosey yeah, era. like the rules get uh, moved around a little bit. And so we're just going to be hanging out in what we're going to call the Willard and Div Super Bowl party both Monday, yep. Wednesday, yeah. and Thursday mm. when the Warriors start games early in our show. We will just hip hop over to a commercial free Super Bowl party on Twitch, YouTube, and the free. Odyssey app.
2: I'm going to borrow from uh, the great Jose who borrowed from you and simply say, that's going to be a yes from me, dog. Yes. <laughs> that's
0: very that's good. a yes from me. Dog, yeah, that's a yes from me. Dog, there's, there's my guy. Dog. There he is. Jose
1: uh, the only one like that. Actually, captures what we're doing next week. Because when Jose says it, it sounds like a party. It does, right? It Hit does that again, Grandy. That's a yes from me, dog. That's a yes from me, dog. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we're gonna do half our show over on the stream, that's and right. it's funny because we had a look, look, look. We had a, we have a meeting. <laughs> we had a meeting. He's like. <laughs>
1: You can swear, but I wouldn't. Wait, What is that I brought mean? that up. I brought that up. I'm on my. I'm just going to turn. We'll in, that. I'm going to turn into Travis Kelsey and Pat McAfee, oh. and I'm just going to turn t- into Travis Scott, Bleep Dibs, and v- d- 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 right. Totally. It's so radio. No one really knows the rules. No, no. But I'm like, but that's not. No, I'm not, guys. I'm, no, I'm not. You can swear, you but don't. I wouldn't. <laughs> it's about the brand. <laughs> Think about your brand. You look, look, look. You can swear, but don't swear. Uh, it's not a good idea. If you swear, I'm out. <laughs> if you swear, you're not out, but I'm out. And if I'm
2: out, you're likely out.
1: Look, look, look. I looked this is actually going to be in alphabetical order. That's oh. right. I, looked. I don't
2: know what happened to me that day. I mean, if all of all the things to swear over, you were going to list something in alphabetical order, and so I said, oh, S. Like, is that all I had, Grandy?
1: This is actually going to be in alphabetical order. Oh, <laughs> That's all you had.
2: I mean... God,
1: oh, shoot your so shot. It's shoot, all you got. Was <laughs> that my O
2: S? Is what, oh, all I had.
1: Gosh, it was so innocuous, completely or innocuous, ridiculous, ridiculous. We're dude. just chilling. Just two guys I'm chatting, just setting the table. I'm like, let's do it alphabetically. You're oh, like, all oh, right,
2: bleep O S. I, I mean, you I caught me off what guard. What's the matter with you? The, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, tune in next week, and I'm
1: really gonna let my hair down. No, I can't wait. I looked right at the boss, and I said, "I'll tell you what I think about swearing." It's gonna be a no from me, dog. Yeah, yeah. Now, but but I told him, yeah." But nudity—that's different. <laughs> okay, right. All right. You're only in the Super you Bowl. Now you're only in the Super Bowl once every so often. So I might be doing the shows. In mosquitoes, it's going to be a blast.
2: A lot of uh, YouTube, YouTube feedback. numbers go down. Well, a lot of YouTube comments too, because I, you know, phones. I don't know if we're going to go to the phones. Like we're going to go to the phones here momentarily, but next week when we go to the stream, it's going to be me and you and the YouTube audience.
1: Mark. Yeah, that's exactly. That's it. That's it. Oh, we, yeah. Oh, s. <laughs> Do whatever we want. Totally. Yeah. So uh, anyway, we'll have a whole lot of fun, and uh, we'll still be interacting with you in the same way. But commercial-free, hanging out, Super Bowl party, side-by-side side with Warrior Basketball, which will run on 95.7 the game. So we're looking forward to it. Uh, we're going to bring you maybe a little bit of a different sort of view of Vegas. We'll go live to Vegas with our correspondents who are going to be on the scene and have some stories and some sound and all of that stuff. So that's all coming up Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday next week. During the portions of Warrior basketball that happen before six o'clock, we're not staying till eight. We love you long time, but not Thank that you. long not time. That much. Not that long time. All right, um, let's go to Dollar Bill in the city. Hi, Bill. What are you doing? Hello, boys. Hello,
4: Bill. Well, I'll tell you what. That's. That is definitely going to be a yes from me, dogs, as well. Nice. I love that. So I'm in. <laughs> Let's go. To Let's you go. Guys. I don't know if I'm in for the nudity part, watching you guys doing that, but
1: don't knock until you, don't it till you don't knock so. it you try it, Dollar Bill. It's kind of yeah. like a, it's like a salami no. and olive pizza. I don't want to hear you tell me it's wrong until you know it's not right.
4: Well, all right. Well, there you go. Hey, okay. I'll try anything twice. So. With that, uh, you guys were talking about, uh, you know, Brock Purdy and what was going through uh, Shanahan's head, um, you know, preseason prior to that. And I was out sick as well the last couple of weeks, so I, I don't know how much of the show I missed, whatever. But one of the things that I wanted to talk about was, you know, another story about how Kyle sat Purdy down and said, hey, we're going to go after, you know, we're going to go after Tom Brady this season. So you might be. You know, you might be sitting here, and I love the fact that these stories are coming out a year or two later. Like you don't hear about it when it happens. You can't, you know. And yeah, you love right. That's what I love about this organization because I'm no Homer. You know, I'm I, I love the Niners when I'm not watching the Jets, but I love this organization that you don't hear these chirping stories
0: until after the fact well it's more
4: interesting to
1: me and bill i'll also say i agree with you but i'd also say there's also a lot of organizations where you'll never hear at all like watch now that bill belichick is gone from the patriots you ready for the stories you ready for an avalanche of how it really went down you're gonna be waiting for a long time you're never gonna hear anything out of there because that's not the way that that organization rolls. The 49ers as organizations go, pretty honest, pretty open. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they don't tell you the things they can't tell you. Again, think about what we just learned today and and how it would go if it were being run by schmucks like you and me. Like a year and a half ago, someone would have been like, So you won't believe it, Trey Lance can't play. Right. Like, you know, you can't say that stuff. But you're getting to some puzzle pieces now that are being put together where you're like, Okay, okay, I, I get what you guys saw right. or didn't see. And while you can criticize the 49ers for making the pick, I think they did a pretty bang up job of pivoting because you don't, you know, a lot of times, Guys will say stubborn into something like that. And right. And are like, no. No, I don't see Brock Purdy. I got blinders on. We picked Trey we Lance. We picked Trey
2: Lance. We're oh, married to Trey Lance. Deserve
1: credit for that, too. You got to praise
2: the pivot because the pivot was unbelievable, and you could say that they got, quote-unquote, lucky at how good he's become, but they made the pick, and they made the pick, as Peter King told us, knowing that if he didn't make the pick, he's going elsewhere. And his childhood favorite team was Miami, so maybe he goes and signs with the
1: Dolphins as an undrafted free agent and we never get Brock Purdy in the Super Bowl. Uh, speaking of time to pivot, uh, it's time for us to pivot. You want to do this again tomorrow? Big time. Okay. Let's, let's do it again tomorrow. But coming up next, it's a full hour of the best of the game hosted by our own Mark Grandy. And it's brought to you by Fremont Bank Full Service Banking No Compromises. He's going to start off with a big piece of the Carmen Policy conversation that happened on the morning row. So stay tuned for that. Thank you all for listening and the engagement throughout our show. For Dibs, for Grandy, for Lucas, I'm Mark. Shoot your shot. It's all you got.
2: The Road to Vegas is brought to you by Zenni, the official eyewear of the San Francisco 49ers. Shop from over 3,000 styles at 80% off retail prices exclusively at Zenny.com. You could spend the weekend
3: doing the same old whatever or you could conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe.